Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire, a tumultuous, stormy Eau Claire, from what I understand. Uh, we got a show for you today to talk about the Green Bay Packers winning their second preseason game by a score of 19-7. to Some things to talk about in there. Also, we have a what-if segment that was submitted by a fan from halfway across the continent that we would like to get to as well. So let's get this thing going since... Matt is under the gun of severe weather, and I'm probably going to be under it a little bit uh, shortly after that, so let's hope we can get this in without losing any power. Uh, Matt, I guess, what is the, the weather like right now? Well, it's getting sunny out again here, but we've got some <laughs> some potential hail and some power outages going on. So, Do you have a garage? I do not, no, so my car's just going to get destroyed if it starts hailing, so... That's what I'm worried about. I just bought a car on Monday, and so I, I don't want it to get all destroyed by huge hail or anything. That would be the worst. But anyways, let's uh, get on to the Green Bay Packers. And one guy who was destroying Rams defenders was rookie running back Eddie Lacy, who everybody was eagerly uh, awaiting to see debut, and he did not disappoint. He had uh, eight carries for 40 yards, and they were very impressive, all eight of those carries. Carrying defenders, just the old cliche of falling forward that everyone always talks about. And so I think, uh, obviously, Matt, I would assume you're in the same boat I'm in, that Eddie Lacy was every bit as advertised, at least after oh, a couple of quarters of a preseason game. Yeah, and that's that's got to be everything that we hope to see from him there because, you know, that's what I kind of talked about before, you know, one of our previous podcasts, that if anybody can get the running game going here, it's going to be him, and, and you saw why. It's just because he's just running over people and kind of doing, you know, a, a Marshawn Lynch type kind of running game where he's just making his own room and just running people over and carrying defenders, and it's something that our other backs haven't done at all, and they don't really have the physical abilities to do that, so mm-hmm. they're I mean, there was a couple of nice holes on some of the plays, but a lot of times he was just plowing right through the line and plowing right through defenders and getting his own yardage there. and About five yards a pop, I think, so that's pretty darn impressive. Yeah, absolutely, and it certainly looks like he's a different kind of back from the other people we've had in here the last couple of years. Uh, Very uh, Amon Green-like in his ability to bust through defenders, and hopefully he's able to continue that. The concern I had about his running style... Uh, that was showcased last Saturday is that the offensive line still was not very effective as it always tends to not be or you know the same as they always are and if he has to run the way he ran on Saturday for 20 carries a game I have my doubts that he's going to be available for all 16 games and for I mean he might John Brockington himself and be out of the league in six years if uh, he has to do that for a career. Yeah, I mean, he's not a burner, though. That's his game, so I guess um, he's got the body size. If anybody can do it, it's probably him, but you're right. There's uh, A human body can only take so much, and even though he's delivering a lot of the pain, he's still absorbing a lot of it himself, and just some of those hits that he was delivering, I was like, oh, that's got to hurt for him, too, and I, you kind of, it's almost scary watching him run like that in the preseason because you don't want him to get too banged up right away, which you kind of assume is going to happen at some point during the year if he's running that violently all the time. Yeah, and you got to think that he probably was out to prove something after missing the first game, and and maybe he'll have one of the veterans pull him aside and say, hey, we're glad you're here, we're glad we can see what you can do, but you might want to tone it down a little bit. These games don't count. Right. So uh, we'll see, but it certainly looks like he's got the inside track on 
being the featured running back for the Green Bay Packers. Other uh, ball carriers, Alex Green, five carries for 15 yards. Jonathan Franklin, uh, three carries for just nine yards. James Starks, three carries for four yards. So, uh, And then Pease had two carries for negative eight yards. So uh, the rest of the team, I guess, has a has a bit of catching up to do if they want to beat out Eddie Lacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, any of those guys, do you think it's just a case of maybe these guys not being good, or is it the offensive line to blame again? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think it kind of weighs more on the offensive line here. I would bet if you put some of these guys in other systems with good blocking, that they'd probably be a lot better than, you know, three yards a carry or, like, negative four, like the one was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think I think James Stark could, Starks could be a good running back, and I think Franklin's going to be a good running back. And I think Alex Green's got talent, too, to run better than they have here, mm-hmm. or even just in the preseason, but, you know, in their whole careers with the Packers. They just they don't have holes, and they're not the types of backs that can – you know, make their own stuff happen. So I think they could function in maybe a different system, but I just don't think it works here. I don't think they're good enough or athletic enough to really, you know, create their own space. Um, you know, if they're given a chance maybe elsewhere, I'm sure we'll have to see a couple of one or two of them get cut. They can't keep all of them. So yeah. maybe we'll actually get a chance to see what they can do elsewhere. Well, I mean, if they weren't so lazy and refused to develop uh, teleportation skills to get <laughs> past some of these Packers holes that are about three inches wide, um, you know, put some effort in, guys. Uh, but the name of the game for the Packers is encouraging as the rushing yards were for Eddie Lacy. The name of the game is always going to be passing, has been since the 1930s with this team. And Aaron Rodgers had a very good game. Ten, att- uh, ten completions on 12 attempts for 134 yards. The first team offense went up and down the field. And a pleasant sight was to see Jermichael Finley, four catches, 78 yards, and he looked... I hate to use the same phrase again, but he has built himself up to be this incredible playmaker, this guy who can take the ball and steamroll people. And I know it's the second preseason game again, but that's the Jermichael that we've been promised for years now. And I don't remember him being that good uh, in the open field in at least three or four years. No, and maybe you know he's finally feeling completely healthy or something. But you're right; he looked uh, he looked energetic and he looked out to prove something. And it's just the preseason, so you would think when the regular season rolls around, we're going to see even more of that. Hopefully, but he does tend to do this. We'll see a flash every now and then. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, it's something that he's going to do more consistently because he's definitely going to be targeted more this year. Um, you know, with losing some of the other big targets around. So if but if he can do this, you know, he could be considered one of the best tight ends in the league again like he was a couple of years ago so mm-hmm. hey, this could be something that we could really use this year and so if he can somehow pull this together and do it consistently it's going to be huge yeah absolutely and i think if he can start to maybe make a name for himself while these other guys are out with injury uh finley was uh singled out today in some of the media reports that he had had a great week of practice as well getting ready for the seattle game and you hate to hope that guys get injured, but when people do get injured, I think it gives a chance for guys like Jermichael Finley, who don't think they get the ball very much, to kind of make a case for themselves as a featured guy over a, a Randall Cobb or a Jordy Nelson. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than that, the offensive um, pass catchers were a bunch of names that probably won't be Green Bay Packers. I will bring up one concern because I'm Eric and I'm never satisfied with anything, even when it's good. Uh, the first team offense now has four drives, zero touchdowns, and two field goals to show for it. Any concern on your end about that? No, not really, because they're moving the ball so well, like you said. And 
we saw one of those should have been a touchdown that wasn't called correctly. Mm-hmm. And I think on some of the other ones, it, you know, if it was a regular season game, they probably could have pushed the issue a little bit more. But the way that they're moving the ball, Rodgers looks extremely sharp. Um, and if Lacey can run like that and everybody's catching the ball well, I, I don't have any concerns really. I think if that translates into a regular season game, you're not going to score on the first possession of every game, which sure. is really their only opportunity right now is the first and second pretty much. So mm-hmm. I, they look sharp. They're not scoring touchdowns, but they will. <laughs> I'm not too concerned about it, I guess, right now. And I guess uh, you brought up a point that you're not going to score very often on the first drive, and I guess that's something that I hadn't thought about as far as being encouraged by this preseason performance. Despite the lack of touchdowns, they're able to effectively move the ball right at the beginning, which is something they really struggled with last year. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't. It seemed like half the games last year they went three and out on their first offensive possession. So maybe that's something that they're they're turning it around and and they're able to get going right away and. Not that they're stellar defenses, but the the Rams and the Cardinals are definitely in that top half of the defenses in the league. Yeah, and I mean, even if if you do have a series like that in the beginning of the game, it's a whole lot better than a three and out if you can just switch the field position right away. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that's something, like you said, that they haven't done. So if they can get a nice drive down there, hey, even if you miss a field goal or, or get, even get a shot at one, mm-hmm. that's a that's a pretty good first possession, I guess I would say. Yeah, I would. I would have to agree. Uh, just something to maybe put some pressure on some of the teams they weren't able to to hang with last year would be something. Uh, let's stay on the offense here before we switch over to some of the the defensive things that came out in the game. Um, that was a horrible segue, but anyways, let's just go with it. The quarterbacks as a whole played much better. Uh, B.J. Coleman actually looked like he belonged in the NFL for once. He had uh, 13 attempts, 18. Comp- uh, 18 completions on 13 attempts. This guy is amazing. Um, no, actually, it's eight attempts or eight completions on 13 attempts for 86 yards and one touchdown. All of that to get out B.J. Coleman's stat line. Uh, <laughs> five completions on 10 attempts for 44 yards for Graham Harrell. Five of nine for 26 for Vince Young. I, last week we came down pretty hard on these quarterbacks that weren't Aaron Rodgers, and we thought Vince Young was the clear-cut guy to be the backup quarterback. Graham and BJ played much better in this last week's game. Are you feeling a little bit uh, any differently, I guess, about the viability of either of those two guys as a, a backup in this league? No, not really. And I think Vince Young is still the number two right now. He probably looked the worst out of all three of them, though, in that mm-hmm. game, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but Graham Harrell had some flashes. He actually looked on some throws like he could do it. But he was just so inconsistent. He would hit a nice throw down the field, and then he would just completely miss the next one. Mm-hmm. It's just just so inconsistent. And Vince Young was kind of the same way, too. He missed a, a pretty wide-open guy for a touchdown. So, I mean, Coleman and Harrell definitely looked better. And the only thing that kind of scares me about this is I feel like seeing this little stuff from Harrell's enough to keep him around potentially for this coaching mm-hmm. staff, and I hope that that's not true. Um, you know, I, I think Vince Young is our, is our best choice for number two, but it seems like they have a lot of loyalty in their backup quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I would uh, I would like to see Graham Harrell potentially not on the team anymore, but I, I kind of just have a feeling that he's going to keep hanging around just because we don't have any better options. Yeah, that's a really good point, and, and that's something that I was more concerned about with the kicking situation, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, yeah, Graham had a couple of throws on that first drive that were 
I was taken aback by them. Yeah. I didn't know he could throw that accurately. He had one uh, down the seam. I don't know if it was DJ Williams or, or somebody dropped it. And it was just right on the money. I think it was Williams, yeah. And and he had a pretty rough uh, couple of games so far this year. Mm-hmm. But he, I, I didn't know he had it in him to be that effective. Uh, he always just seemed like kind of a Joe Flacco type where he would just kind of lob it in different guys' directions. And I know he wasn't like that at Texas Tech, but as a pro in his preseason limited action, he never seemed to be able to have any kind of zip on the ball. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to see that. And, I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far as you saying I don't want him on the team anymore. Uh, I don't trust him as a backup quarterback. But then again, with the talent level on this team, I think with anybody not named Aaron Rodgers, their playoff chances are slim and none anyways. But I, I don't know. I still think I prefer Vince Young. B.J. Coleman, I'm not really sure how to judge. He had a pretty decent game uh, against the Rams. He had the only passing uh, or the only touchdown for the Packers. But he still he's one of those guys. When you look at him, you're like, why isn't this guy good? Just from the way he plays, the, the his size especially. And then when he gets out there, it just never seems to click. And I guess the the preseason history of the NFL is littered with. You know, the, the Brian Brahms of the world who you just don't understand why they're not any good. And, uh, maybe he falls in that category, but you can't keep four quarterbacks, but I guess at this point I'm not sure which ones you do keep. Yeah, and I, I honestly have no knowledgeable guess on who they'll keep. I, you almost kind of think they'll just keep the two and maybe Vince Young's career is done, although I would love to see him as the two, but yeah, you say about BJ Coleman, in that first touchdown he had in the first game, I wouldn't give him too much credit for that one. Um, <laughs> If you remember right, it was, yeah. I forget the receiver, but he definitely bailed him out a little bit there. Sure. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, but that's the difference between him getting drafted in the seventh round and all these other guys from D2 schools or D3 schools, wherever he came from, Chattanooga, I think, that, mm-hmm. that don't get drafted. It's just because he looks like he, he's got some arm strength and he looks like he can do it. And he set some records at Chattanooga, but he's, you know, there's a reason why he didn't go to D1 schools and mm-hmm. you know, there's a reason he didn't go until the seventh round. So... I don't know. He looks like he can do it, but I, I kind of feel like at this point he's potentially the odd man out here if it's not Graham Harrell. Well, they don't have as much invested in him, and he's got to yeah. have the smallest salary, I would bet. And he's not Aaron Rodgers' boy like Graham Harrell is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess w- as far as B.J. Coleman's touchdown, I will say that I did not even see the touchdown because we okay. were watching it on standard definition. And when they're showing you the standard definition uh, game, they just give you the HD broadcast with the sides cut off. And so <laughs> the ball just disappeared into the abyss, and then the uh, referee said touchdown. Yeah, I, I don't remember which receiver it was, but it was pretty much lobbed up, and he made an incredible catch to keep his feet in bounds. I think it was like a backup tight end or something, too. It was... um. Uh, let's see, uh, I got it here. It was uh, Stoneburner. Stoneburner, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> he was better than uh, Earth Scorcher, that guy we had last year, Stoneburner is. <laughs> That was lame, but whatever. Um, so let's move on to the defense, and I think they had a pretty good performance, and honestly, both weeks um, have been pretty effective on defense. I'm a tad concerned because I, I, maybe I don't see as many Rams games as you. I know you had the Sunday ticket a couple of years back, and, and maybe you caught a couple uh, extra Monday nights and Thursday nights that I was tuned out of, but... Anytime you allow Sam Bradford to complete like a 50-yard pass, I think the game is hor- you had a horrible game. You may as well have given up 35 points because this guy just can't seem to move the ball. Every time I watch him play like the 49ers or even the Cardinals or something, every single throw he makes is like six yards. And 
I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating a little bit, but um, I was somewhat... <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, I guess I, so I was a little concerned that Sam Bradford was able to, to hit some big ones, but uh, for the most part, they kept him in check, and the Packers' defense seems to be designed that way, that they can keep teams that don't have quite the talent of your best NFL teams, they can keep them bogged down for the whole game, but they still can't help but give up a couple of big plays, and that's what we saw the last two weeks. Yeah, and Bradford is, he kind of reminds me a lot of Alex Smith, is they just, he just doesn't unleash anything, he just doesn't try to throw down the field at all, and and he looked pretty bad in that game the other day, and yeah. I know his receivers aren't great, and his offensive line is pretty bad, he doesn't have any help really around him, but, you know, it's probably his last stand this year, and I don't think he's got a great crew behind him to help him out, <laughs> but I, you know, I can't imagine that they, they keep putting him in year after year as a starter when he just doesn't ever seem to prove anything, and, and like you said, he just never moves the ball, he's just... Their their offense has been bad since he's been there, and now they lost Steven Jackson, so I would imagine it's going to be even worse this year. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I he's the first pick in the draft, and he's the last guy before the rookie, uh, uh, Sam Bradford we're talking about, uh, before the rookie salary cap, so he's got a monster contract. So I understand their commitment to him, but, yeah, he makes Chad Pennington look like, you know, the 1983 Packers, you know, just throwing the ball bombs down the field. I mean, he makes Chad Pennington look like a risk taker sometimes. And <laughs> we'll see, I guess, what happens uh, with him. But another thing I guess I'll mention is that I believe Jeff Fisher owes an apology to Bernie Kosar. Uh, Kellen Clemens, two of, tw- uh, two of 11, 27 yards and two picks. Yeah, and he looked disastrous. And it's kind of hard to believe that he's still a backup on a team. I mean, I know it's the Rams, but I mean, this guy's always been bad. And then they said last or and during the game that he's been in the league for like ten years or something like what? that. It's like, how does a guy like that, you know, hang around for so long? Ugh. But but uh, he he keeps hanging on as a backup, and he'll probably be on that team this year and for the next couple of years. So. Lifelong backup, I guess. Well, I guess I do remember that he was one of those guys like Charlie Whitehurst that I used to draft all the time uh, when we'd import the drafts on Madden probably, you know, eight, seven, eight years ago. And so he's at least been in the NFL that long. Yeah. Um, Jamal Brimmer, however, has yet to make it to the NFL, another (laughs) one of our favorite guys to draft on there. Um, As far as the the rest of the defense, I thought, um, and, and I guess... I don't know exactly what he did, but that uh, Micah Hyde for the Packers, the cornerback, he had a, here, I got it here, he had a sack, he had five tackles, he had a couple of good punt returns, and it's one of those things where I didn't know exactly what he was doing statistically, but it felt like he was everywhere for the whole mm-hmm. game, and so maybe there's a future with him there that they've uncovered another uh, lucky, not necessarily lucky, but a diamond in the rough. Yeah, it sure seems like it. He, like you said, he was just everywhere. I mean, he did even have a couple of bad plays, too, in there, too, but he always seemed to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made plays on the line, and he seems like they seem to say that he doesn't have a ton of speed, but he seems to be a ball hawk. So if he can be anything, you know, third or fourth corner this year, I would imagine that they feel comfortable enough with him there if they're starting him mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, we might, might have found something here, so that would be a, a real nice surprise. So I would imagine he's in a position now where he's going to make the roster with how well he played. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's he can find him find his way onto the field. I'd, I would like to see that down the road here this season. Although going back to my rule I just mentioned, now I think he was the guy who gave up that 50-yard pass from Sam Bradford. I think he did, yep. So he should be banned from anything above junior college football, I think, <laughs> at this point. Um, 
No, he's a, he's a young guy, and he looks really good. Another guy who's not young and looked very good in the preseason game was Johnny Jolly. Uh, he had an interception. He also had uh, two solo tackles, and he looked like the Johnny Jolly that we had in 2009. And he's one of those guys that... I always am frustrated when I see him play like he did on Saturday, just thinking what might have been with him. He also—he seems like a good-hearted guy who just makes a lot of reckless choices, uh, not to excuse repeat, you know, drug offenses. But he's—he's he's one of these guys that's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy, if that—if right. that makes any sense. And so I guess I'll admit that I'm rooting for him a little bit, and uh, performances like Saturday really help his cause. Yeah, and you can tell he's a must be a pretty good guy after the reaction after his interception. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole bench basically came out for him. So mm-hmm. if uh, you said you feel sad because of what could have been, but it it might still be what it still is here That's with true. the way that he looks the other day. I mean, he's he's got a few years older and a few years out of the game, but he looked really darn good. And really, other than maybe you know B.J. Raji here and then, we haven't had a playmaker on the defensive line since he's been gone. Mm-hmm. So we've just had a bunch of guys go out there and try to plug holes, whereas he's a guy who's going to knock down passes and recover fumbles, force fumbles, get interceptions. So if you know if he's a spot starter, probably he's out of shape a little bit. He can kind of work his way into that during the season. But if he can come in and have that kind of impact, I know it's probably not going to be as pronounced as it was in the preseason game against mm-hmm. a second-team offense. But he, uh, if he can go in and make some plays, we desperately need that. Mm-hmm. We need somebody to be able to do that on the defensive line. Absolutely. And with the, the rest of the cast of characters on that defensive line, like you mentioned, nobody really stands out. And I know a lot can happen in two more preseason weeks, but I can't imagine he doesn't make this team anymore. No. Um, they just need the help. And, I mean, I'm tired of the C.J. Wilson and... Uh, Jarius Wynn types that just are on the team forever and they never get blown over, but they never do anything. They're like the, they're I don't know what they're like the Tecmo Super Bowl pass rushers that they just stop at the at the, <laughs> at the line of scrimmage and never do anything. They're just obstacles to serpentine around. And so we'll see what happens with Johnny Jolly. I hope uh, I hope he can keep his personal life together, and then it looks like he might be able to have a a resurrection in his football life. And I guess we can move on to special teams. One special teams note that I did see this afternoon is that um, there's a, I don't know if it was confirmed or not, but they were talking that Micah Hyde is now going to be the first string punt returner, uh, which I guess, I just saw it on one link on Google. Um, That seems kind of weird unless Jeremy Ross is having a horrible uh, preseason and and, uh, training camp, but um, maybe that just is for this next week or I I didn't see exactly. Well, it does kind of seem like Ross has, has not really stood out or done much of anything. I I kind of think he's on the, the fringe of not making the team at this point. So yeah. I would I'm excited to see Hyde start the game as the the returner. Maybe Ross will get a couple in there too, so we can compare a little bit more. But he's definitely stood out a little bit more to me than Ross ever has. I I mean to me the guy has has never really done anything that's made me be like wow you know he's got some potential back there. Well so, he he did fumble against the Niners and I said wow what the heck why are you on the team. And maybe that's the only thing that's in my brain here is just thinking back to that. But um, I think he might add a big... couple of big returns against Tennessee last year. After oh um, boy, yeah. Um, but who <laughs> we... did? Well, who didn't? I get. I had a couple of big punt returns in that Tennessee game. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, well, give Hyde a shot. I guess I, I'm I'm not sold on Ross at, by any means. So if if Hyde's gonna you know at least 
be consistent and get 10, 15 yards uh, occasionally. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, I am too. And now that I'm trying to corroborate what I just said, I can't find that story. It was probably one of those stupid Bleacher Report uh, blogs of some guy saying he should be the number one punt returner instead of the edit that he actually is. So I guess we'll wait and see on that. But there are other articles saying that he's going to get a shot. So we will see. Another story that is dominating in training camp is the kicking battle, the long-awaited kicking battle. After people have been calling for Mason Crosby's head for a couple of years now, they finally brought in some competition uh, in the form of Giorgio Tavecchio, and it looks like Mason Crosby, after Saturday, is beginning to take the lead. After uh, Tavecchio had a rough miss, he he came back and made a a longer field goal towards the end of the game, but Mason Crosby made... um, all he he made. Let me uh, look this up real quick. I have it in my hand, but then I clicked off the wrong uh, thing here. Mason Crosby had three field goals to Tavecchio's one. Uh, Crosby's were 34 yards, uh, 48 yards, and 30 yards. Tavecchio's was 38 yards. So unfortunately, I think that well, maybe not unfortunately, but I don't think that. Well, I'll just give you my uh, my thoughts on it. I think Mason Crosby's going to win the job, but I don't think he's any better than he was last year. I just think the guy they brought in is either choking or not very good either. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, it's the preseason, so it doesn't matter, so don't judge me too much. But I was cheering against Mason to make those <laughs> field goals. <laughs> I mean, we already know what we're going to get with him. We've seen it time and time again. He's inconsistent. He can't hit the long field goal. He's. Uh, I just. I don't want him around anymore. I don't think Tavecchio's a very good replacement, though, is the thing. And I think for whatever reason, the Packers have always felt tied to Mason Crosby. So I don't think that, you know, unless Tavecchio came out and just blew him out of the water here in preseason, there was any way he was going to win this job. Yeah. Um, you know, if they brought in a legitimate kicker, you know, Dan Carpenter was sitting out there. He just got signed today. Had they brought him in um, or somebody who's actually proven that they can do it, then I think there might have been some competition. But I just don't think unless Crosby completely fell apart this preseason, there was any way that he was going to lose this job. Yeah, and what you said about Graham Harrell is times 30 with Mason Crosby. I don't know what it takes to get this guy off this team. And he hasn't been horrible other than last year. But we were talking about it last year when we went through the guys who had had the most kicks, and he was like... 29th accuracy out of the guys who kicked the 30 most, ki- or, uh, the, the top 30 guys in terms of actual kicking attempts in the last five years. And that just floored me. I mean, the only guy worse was Graham Gano, who can't stay on a team for more than a year at a time, and usually that's only because of injury. Yeah. And I, I don't understand if it's just because they invested money in him, or Ted loves his draft picks, or people like him on the team, but Anybody who says anything other than he's a liability is wrong, I think. And he's got like one game winner in his career. People talked about that Giants game last year where he kicked the game winner um, uh, when they were tied. And like it was some kind of great redemption when he had missed like his last four attempts in the previous two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, well, that's great. I guess if we are in close games, we'll only lose 80% of them because of our kicker. Um, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I'm just tired of this Mason Crosby experiment. He seems like a nice guy, but, you know, you and I are nice guys, and nobody's asking us to kick in the NFL. So yeah, Right. And I feel like this is going to be a recurring theme through through the regular season. We're going to be talking about this, you know, every few weeks, you know, how frustrated we are with this guy again. I mean, it's been the same thing for the last few years, and then, you know, occasionally even before that. So, 
Uh, I don't think there's anything we can do unless a, a big-name one gets cut, but even then I doubt that they'll bring anybody in, so I think we're stuck here. Uh, well, hopefully he improves, but I guess I my hopes are not very high for the kicking position for another year. <laughs> right. All right, with that, let's uh that wraps up our coverage of the preseason win 19 to 7 over the St. Louis Rams this Friday. They welcome the Seattle Seahawks to Lambeau Field in a nationally televised game on CBS, which uh, nerds like me get excited about because it's impossible for the Packers to play Seattle on CBS in the regular season. It can only <laughs> it can only happen in the preseason. And uh, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and Golden Tate and all their other band of misfits are going to be coming to Lambeau Field. And I would be willing to bet this is going to be one of the more raucous crowds in the history of Packer preseason. Yeah, it's going to be a good game to watch. Unfortunately, I'll be out of town, so I'm going to have to watch it Sunday when I get back. But, yeah, you got the Seahawks coming in with the bad blood from last year. And you've got uh, the third preseason game, so the starters will be playing a lot, too. So it, it's going to be an exciting preseason game in the nationally televised it, just a good combination of things. It should be fun. Do you think Aaron will get sacked less than eight times in the first half this go-around? God, I would hope so. <laughs> if he gets sacked twice on the first couple of drives, just take him out. Yeah. Yeah, if it's if it's shaping up to be anything like that game last year, I want him out of the game immediately. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so we'll see what happens. It should be fun. Uh, for It's rare that you get excited for a preseason game, but it, it would be kind of fun to see those guys come back in Lambeau and see the reception. And, and uh, It'll be interesting to see how people treat Russell Wilson. I know you and I kind of were annoyed by him last year, uh, especially after the, the fail Mary game, but uh, he's still a pretty popular person amongst yeah. you know Wisconsin Badger fans. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he's uh, treated when he's introduced. Do, do you have a prediction? I, I feel like he would be... You know, I don't know if he's as associated with it as, you know, if Golden Tate gets introduced, he's going to get, you know, the whole stadium's going to be booing. But I don't know if, because of his Wisconsin background, because I don't know if he's as much associated with that play as, you know, Golden Tate or MD Jennings is, I, I, I feel like people kind of don't associate him with it as much as they might Golden Tate. That's true. As years go by, depending on what he does in his career, people might not even remember he threw the ball. Yeah. Um. Uh, you never Grant. see him in the highlight hitter. It's just a pile in the end zone. And... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so we'll see. That'll be a, a little fun thing to look forward to uh, in addition to the rest of the game. And with that, we're going to very quickly go over a what-if segment that was sent to us by a fan out in New York. His name is uh, Chris Stanzel, and he sent us a very nice email, and it was with a very good what-if topic. What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Uh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like if? And that 
signifies the start of What If, where we take a moment from Packers history, we tweak it a little bit, and then we debate the ramifications. And as we mentioned, this week's edition comes from uh, Chris Stanzale. Chris, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who's uh, out in the New York area. So he's in uh, enemy territory. He says it's rough listening to all of the anti-Packer coverage amongst the New York media. So I'm glad we can help uh, provide some reprieve for you. He says, uh, after listening to last week's show, I couldn't help but think about a player that would have certainly helped the Packers in 2007 and 2008, especially one who was ever so close to joining the team. That player is Randy Moss. Going back to the 2007 draft when the rumors were circulating, I remember salivating at the fact that the Randy Moss would be in a Packers uniform catching passes from Brett Favre. At the time, I thought this was the much-needed piece to produce the higher-powered offense this team needed to make up for the defensive shortcomings. I remember hearing Favre was practically forcing Ted Thompson to a him and was seriously upset at the fact that the whole front office did not comply with his wishes. So my question to you guys is, what if Randy Moss was acquired by Green Bay in 2007? How do you think the 2007 season turns out? For better? Worse? Does Favre stay past 2007 if Moss re-signs with Green Bay in 2008? And what happens to Aaron Rodgers? What about the best team ever to never win a Super Bowl, the 07 Pats? Does the 2010 team win the whole thing? I assume he means the Packers. What if... Okay, um, Matt, do you want to try tackling this one first? You know what? I'm going to let you go first here. I've taken the last couple first, so I'm going to let you go <laughs> shotgun here. Okay, sounds good. Uh, once again, Chris, thank you very much for that topic. Um, I actually, until Chris had sent this to us, I had completely forgot that we were even in the hunt for Randy Moss. It, it was a big story back then. Um, and Chris actually, in a, in a follow-up email, sent what he thought would happen in the event that we would get Randy Moss. So I have avoided reading that, so I can be surprised and think on my own. So we'll read that after you and I are done. I think if they add Randy Moss, that it certainly gives the Packers more weapons. I'm not quite sure how he would uh, be incorporated with the rest of the team, quite honestly. Um you wonder about what happens to guys like Greg Jennings, who was really, you know, coming off a solid rookie season, but it was only like 600 yards, mid-40s in catches, a couple of touchdowns. So it's it's not like he was established yet. Uh, he really blossomed in that 2007 season when he was forced to become a target. That probably doesn't happen with Randy Moss. Um, you also have Donald Driver, who in 2006 had his best year as a pro, was a, uh, a pro bowler, was... Uh, second team all pro I believe and he was coming off 1300 yards I don't know what happens with him if Randy Moss is there and certainly the big one that people tend to forget about maybe the turning point to that offense in the 07 season is how good Ryan Grant was having almost a thousand yards and only 10 starts I mean he was great every single week and who knows how much they commit to the run uh, if Randy Moss is there so I will say that if the Packers get Randy Moss I still think they're good enough to win the division that year, but I'm not sure if that 13-3 and dynamic and that kind of team environment that emerged of this great, great team that was all selling out every week you had a new hero. It was a great, fun year to be a Packer fan, and I think the Brett Favre to Randy Moss show might have uh, detracted from kind of the, the, the makeup of that team had he been there. Uh, but I think... I think they still are, are good enough to probably go 11 and 5, 12 and 4, and I think that perhaps, you know, I, I don't think it's all that different because I don't think Randy Moss is enough of a game changer in this Packer team that he would have helped us beat the Giants. I think we still maybe, um, and, and granted that changes everything. It might change the seating and everything as well, but 
Uh, I don't think the Packers are, are that much better. So whether it's the Giants or Seattle or whoever, I think that that Packer team still falters somewhere within that NFC playoffs. There was just a lot of good teams there. The big thing I think this changes as far as NFL history, because I don't think there's any way the New England Patriots are 16-0 and without Randy Moss. So I, I don't know if maybe, Matt, you want me to wait to debate that point till you get your Packers point in, but uh, I think that's probably the big effect of this, is if Randy Moss is a Packer, I don't think the 07 Patriots are anything anybody remembers. They'll be thought of as no different than the 06 Patriots, just another really good Bill Belichick, Tom Brady team. Uh, I guess the thing as far as Brett Favre uh, retiring uh, or not retiring, if Randy Moss is on the team and they have some kind of chemistry, I think Favre is more likely to come back. But I think I think he was at the point where he just wasn't that committed anymore to wanting to go to training camp and going through the whole process. So it might have been even messier, but I still think that Favre probably leaves after the 07 season, uh, even with or without Randy Moss. And, and probably Randy Moss would leave as soon as Brett would leave, and we'd have the same 08 Packers. Okay. Um, you know, and I agree with a lot of what you said here, too, is I, I think that it, I might think that he's a little bit more of a weapon than you seem to, to think with, by what you were saying, but I agree that it might have kind of messed with the chemistry. That team had just an uncanny, like, teamwork, chemistry, you know, type of a feel to it, where it seemed like everybody on the team loved everybody, and, you know, we loved everybody on the team. There wasn't, like, one guy on that team that, you know, we didn't think was great, and mm-hmm. we just loved everybody on it, and that's why it was so hard to see them lose. Especially, uh, those kind of teams oh, yeah. only come around every so often where you just, like, absolutely love everybody on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that does kind of change things, but I think it does add a lot to the offense. You're right about it might kind of detract a little bit from what Ryan Grant was able to do or the development of Greg Jennings, but I think overall the team is probably pretty similar throughout the regular season. But I, I think since that Giants game was so close that it could have maybe been the difference, and it's hard to really say for sure. Because it wasn't like, you know, a lack of a target is the reason that Brett Favre threw that pass in overtime. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, maybe, you know, with a bigger target, it would have made a difference. But I think I agree with you in that game and that type of environment with, you know, how cold it was and stuff. I, I think that that game still kind of goes down the same way, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that he puts them over the top, but I just think in that type of an environment, you know, Plexico Burst is still going to throttle our defense. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe he breaks one down the field or something, but I just think it wasn't enough in that game, mm-hmm. uh, even if he was on the team for us to to top New York. So, mm-hmm. And I agree. The big difference is New England. You know, Maybe they're still the, the team that goes to the Super Bowl, or who else was in the AFC Championship that year? Uh, San Diego. Uh, San Diego upset a 13-3 and Colt team in the divisional round, so I don't know if it changes the seeding, but the, the Colts were good. San Diego were good, but remember – both Rivers and Ladanian Tomlinson like were falling apart by the end of the season. Uh, right. Pittsburgh was pretty solid. Uh, I think, uh, trying to test my knowledge here, uh, Vince Young's Titans and uh, David Garrard's Jags were the rest of the AFC field that year. So maybe this is that uh, long-lost Super Bowl for the San Diego Chargers that they, they missed out on after all those years of making the playoffs. Who knows? But, it's possible, um, yeah, yeah, I don't. New England might have still been the favorite in the AFC, and might have still come, come out even without Randy Moss. They wouldn't have been 16 and 0, but um, I, I think they still probably beat San Diego if they're still in that spot there. So, I think, in my opinion, same Super Bowl, same outcome. I think, you know, mm-hmm. I guess I, I wouldn't change history there. I'm sure it does change things a little bit down the road, and you know, maybe Brett decides to stay. He probably still waffles though, and it still probably ends up the same way. 
and um, you know after that, in terms of Randy Moss staying around, he, maybe he was frust- he'd be frustrated in 08, you know, with Aaron Rodgers at the helm for the first year, and maybe he. We kind of saw a little bit of that, of that in New England too, where the years after they were really successful, he started complaining a lot and wanted out of town. Mm-hmm. So maybe that year after 07 and 08, when Rodgers is starting and we're losing games, he wants out right away. So maybe 10 goes down the same way too. So, sure. although I think this throws a big wrench in the rosters and you know new, that New England record that year and even the Packers, I think things might actually kind of end up sort of similar at, sure. oh, in terms of Super Bowl winners and Super Bowl matchups. Yeah, and I, I think I kind of agree with that. New England's always a favorite in the AFC, so you can never know for sure. And uh, regardless of how good Indy was that year, I never trust Indy to even win a playoff game. No. Um, I know it's in the past. We're speaking past tense. But going forward with Peyton Manning and the Broncos this year, as much as I think they're the favorite in the AFC, they're probably going to get the one seed. But would you bet money on them getting to the Super Bowl, even as the one seed this year? No, absolutely not. And So I guess we'll see what uh, happens with that, but... I tend to agree with you, and as far as 2010, which I guess we didn't address, that one's really hard because I think if Randy Moss is there, it really changes a lot about the roster because they spent a lot of money in those intermediate years um, trying to keep guys like Aaron Rodgers around and just with them kind of, and, and maybe I'm misremembering, but was that kind of the era where they were, were signing all these guys to those really short, Contracts that would keep them here for a few years, but wouldn't allow like it. It was kind of a stopgap for free agency for guys like Greg Jennings and guys sure. like uh, Jordy Nelson. Maybe not Jordy Nelson, but I think James Greg Jennings Jones. is the big yeah. one. James Jones. And so maybe it changes the dynamic of the team and the way Ted gets wide receivers. We, you know, maybe we'd be talking about. Hakeem Nix as a Packer or something, you know. I mean, they could have mm-hmm. got somebody out there. There's, it seems like there's not a team that doesn't have one or two really good receivers anymore. So maybe I'm overstating things, but um, I don't know. I, I think it, it's it's a safe uh, argument to say Favre, you know, might have gotten hung up on Randy Moss and. And and you want to think maybe he throws more picks, but then at the same point, the way that the offense was rolling that year, they were hitting everybody deep. James Jones and and uh, Greg Jennings and Donald Driver, people were getting. Ruvel Martin had a couple of long, you know, bomb catches, so they were doing it with everybody that year. So maybe Moss would have just been another one of those guys that instead of you know it's divided amongst four, it's mostly Moss and then three other guys contributing. So I don't know. It's hard to say. So I guess we're saying that we think it's going to be pretty much the same, except the Super Bowl 42 is just a really good Super Bowl instead of one of the most memorable Super Bowls of all time, maybe the most memorable one. Well, let's go and see what Chris has to say. He said, if the acquisition would have occurred, I think the 2007 regular season would have gone worse than what actually transpired. My feeling is maybe a one or two win difference, mainly due in part to Favre's potential play. If Moss had been on the field, I think Favre would have been more inclined to favor him, granted for any reason. As a result, I think Favre does not try to spread the ball around like he did to in 07 to Jennings, Driver, Franks, Lee, and even Ruvel Martin. Also, this probably results in him forcing more throws, resulting in more interceptions and less points. With that being said, it could also be argued that Ted Thompson never feels the need to acquire Ryan Grant, as he feels the pass game is so stacked that Vernon Morency and Brandon Jackson are the pieces needed at running back. I forgot we had Morency at the beginning of that year. Um, that's an editorial, by the way. 
uh, why that, while that thought is not very pleasing, I do think that Moss has a Favre-ish effect on Jennings as Favre did on Rodgers. I believe Jennings gets brainwashed by Moss and learns the tricks of the trade from one of the greatest of all time to be an even better player than he was for the pack from 2007 to 2012. For the playoffs that year, I believe nothing changes, even at worst. The 11-5 and five Packers still get a bye in a home field and divisional round, but the defense just isn't good enough to hold up. I believe that the NFC plays out the same as much as it pains me to say that. However, on the AFC side, I think the Patriots finish around 11-5 and five without Moss. With that being said, I think Indianapolis comes out of the AFC to eventually beat the Giants in the Manning Bowl. Now for the future of the Packers, if Moss resigns, Thompson probably trades a big name for cap room. Campman comes to mind for me and probably does not draft Jordy Nelson in 2000. Uh, eight with Moss on the board. I also think Favre comes back to play another year without having a whole retirement saga and throws a proverbial dagger into Rodgers' chances of playing. Now, does Rodgers grow unsettled and demand a trade? Well, I doubt it. I think Rodgers waits patiently again and gets his chance in 2009, delaying everything a year, but also sets up a great offensive tack for the years to come. And I also doubt that the 2008 team with Favre and Moss does anything special, maybe playoffs. If Moss doesn't re-sign, I think Favre retires for good, and everything plays out for Rodgers, Sands, Nelson, and maybe Grant. I think Ted Thompson makes the moves on defense with Matthews, Rodgers, another running back receiver necessary to be a contender, thus bringing a Super Bowl to Green Bay in 2010. Uh, do you have any comments on that, Quick? No, I, I think it's pretty similar to what we were saying. I mean, I definitely. I'm mean, actually now that he said that, I'm glad that Jennings didn't learn from Randy Moss at all. Yeah. Moss is one of the greatest, but there's not any other guys who can pull off what he did either. It's not like he was a crisp route runner and a. Yeah. You know, he was just a, a freak of nature. Right, just run straight down the field catching touchdowns. But he might but have learned it, a little bit from Moss the way he's been acting the last few weeks. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. Um, but you know, overall, I think we we thought a lot of the same things, which was kind of kind of interesting here. I, you would think that the general sentiment would be that we're better and we win the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. all three of us thinking on our own all kind of said the opposite. And I never thought about the fact that that probably does prevent us from getting Jordy Nelson. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a that's a really good point. Um, I don't think I trust the Colts to win the Super Bowl in in uh, 2007, though. They, they would have just lost to somebody, I think. Maybe the Jags. I yeah, know. I mean, regarding any reseeding of anything, they still lost to the Chargers. So, it, mm-hmm. and really, New England didn't have much to do with that unless we changed the seedings around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we'll never know. That's why it's what if. It's fun to debate all this stuff. Chris, thank you very much for that great topic, and also uh, thanks for providing your thoughts on it. People hear ours all the time, and, and very rarely do we do we hear the thoughts of the people who are actually submitting the what if topics. So. Uh, anybody out there, if you have a what-if topic, you can send an email to greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on our Podbean page. That's www.greengoldforever. Uh, Matt, I believe that's the number four. Okay. Uh, .podbean.com. <laughs> and then you can also uh, put a comment on our Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast. And uh, we got a couple more in the queue coming up in uh, some of our next shows, and I think we ought to do a crossfire one of these days. Let's we do it. We haven't done that in a while. So maybe we'll do a crossfire next week, and then we'll get back to what ifs. And I know we have a, a couple waiting for us. With that, uh, Matt, I hope you don't get any hail damage on your car. And uh, I hope your power stays on. That was another one of your concerns. <laughs> we <laughs> made it through the show, though. We did. And uh, I guess I guess now, who cares if it goes out, right? That's what you're thinking. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully, after... Uh, Another Packers preseason game as we inch ever closer to the regular season. So with that being said, Matt out in Eau Claire, Eric and Oshkosh, uh, we'll see you all next week. Take care, everyone.